Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 98. Big, big news to start off the show. Show favorite. Show favorite, Billy O'Brien. Out in Houston. We're going to get into that. Believe me, we're going to get into that. But a little bit later on, we're going to tell you what we got coming on down the line here. Update on the baseball playoffs. We're going to do our, our our first quarter of the NFL season breakdown. We're going to run down the worst NFL team, the biggest surprise, and the most underrated team in each of our opinions. Then, of course, again, to Ben's dismay, we're going to do Banker Tank. We'll tell you how we did last week. Give your Banker Tanks for week five. Now, Bill O'Brien, coach extraordinaire, greatest GM that ever lived, got off to an 0-4 start with the Texans after... God, just dismantling that team, personnel-wise and draft-wise, over the past season and a half, two seasons. And now he's out. What's your initial thought when you see he got fired? Uh, he deserved it. Like, I usually don't say coaches deserve, but he absolutely deserved this firing. His team was going nowhere. One of the best quarterbacks in the league. That's n- not really an argument. And he systematically disassembled the team and the future of the franchise and left it in ruins. There's no other way to put it. No. And I hate, uh, I put this on Twitter. I hate to see anybody lose their job, but his job was to make that team better. And he was not doing it on any level. The only good thing he ever did was sign Deshaun Watson to a contract extension. And if you're Deshaun Watson, you got to be feeling pretty good going forward. He's not going to say it publicly. Deshaun's a classy guy. He's not going to say anything negative about Bill O'Brien on the way out. But you got to feel pretty good if you're Deshaun Watson, knowing they're going to bring somebody else in, hopefully somebody better in, that can run that offense more effectively and actually start building up some personnel around you. I mean, this guy did immense damage to this organization. I have my, my my cousin's a Texans fan. He's the one who's in the fantasy league with us. The reason I found out wasn't on any kind of social media or anything. He immediately texted me. He was like, Bill O'Brien's out with like 15, like 15 exclamation points. Oh, he was excited because his team name is. Oh, he's, fire, a, fire he Bill loves, he, he's, he's born and raised up in the Northeast, but he loves the Houston Texans. He's always been a fan of JJ Watt. He's followed him for as long as I can remember. And he was ecstatic. It was kind of like us when. Who was it? Dan Duquette got let go from the Red Sox years ago. Yeah. I mean, if you have somebody in your, or or Red Sox ownership currently, if you have somebody in your organization that makes it seem less than, it's really, really a good day to see them go. I mean, again, I hate to see anybody lose their job. I'm not a malicious person. I'm not mean spirited, but this guy was terrible. Absolutely terrible. And he just did things that made you scratch your head. Jadavian Clowney, okay. It, first overall pick for Houston several years back. Not going to re-sign him to a long-term deal. So what are you going to do? Naturally, you're going to trade him. Fair enough. To not get at least a second-round pick, because realistically, the way Clowney been performing with his inconsistency, you weren't going to get a one for him. That's okay. I can deal with that. To not get at least one second-round pick, and a conditional round pick 
or a second round pick and a quality player in return. And I'm not talking about a fifth round. Like they got what they get uh, Barcavius Mingo. Yeah. I mean, no, he not going to he, play, he played for the Patriots a couple years ago. Really mm-hmm. nice special teamer. Yeah. But I mean, a really nice complimentary piece, but not somebody you trade in a package deal along with a third and a fifth round pick for a former first overall pick who can be very effective when he feels like it. And then the DeAndre Hopkins trade, essentially trading him to the Arizona Cardinals for a a beat-up running back and a fourth-round pick? I mean, there's just things he did that are inexcusable that that nobody with any kind of real knowledge of their team or the game would do. And this is a move the Texans had to make for the sake of their franchise, for the good of their team. He has already done enough damage. You know, you ever play poker and you got what you thought was a decent hand? You're playing like Texas Hold'em and and you see you got the flop, you got the first three cards down and you're like, oh man, this isn't what I thought it was. But you're already in. Right. You've you've already put money in. So you're like, I'm going to ride this out. And you know you don't have the best hand. But you just keep putting money in. You keep going because you want to see if you can just ride it out and bluff your way to winning. That's like what Texans ownership was doing with Bill O'Brien. You're like, oh damn. Not only was this guy a mediocre coach who made bad choices, he then gave him the GM job inexplicably. He did irreparable damage to our team over the last two years. And they were smart enough to get out of the hand when they saw it get as bad as it could. They didn't say, oh, we got to ride this out. She would have known what else the guy would have done. Quick correction, it was a second round pick that they did get. David Johnson in the second? Yeah. Okay, still not even close to worth it, but no, better than a fourth. It, it should have been absolutely a first-round pick. And if you want to get a player, great. No, David Johnson's not the answer. Uh, no offense to David Johnson. No, I love I love David Johnson as a player. He's just not, not DeAndre the, Hopkins. He, you needed, like, if the Texans were able to draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, like, that's the kind of player – they need to get like Travis Ntn coming up in the draft this next season, uh, next draft. That's the kind of player you want to stick with uh, Deshaun Watson, like that versatile out of the backfield speed, agility, quickness, all that in a one package player. That's the kind of player you want to stick with Deshaun Watson. If you don't have that super talented wide receiver that they had in Deshaun, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I would say the the beginning of the end for Bill O'Brien, and uh, I think I read a piece on ESPN uh, that, that warns head coaches that they try to get all the power was when they had that power flux when they fired. I don't remember who it was before um, the GM they had before, and there was no GM, and then they started making trades. That was during the time when they traded Jadavian Clowney. Um, when they didn't have a GM and, and Bill O'Brien didn't have Rick a Smith. Thank you. There we go. Who, by the way, he built a pretty good team. Let's not let's not beat around the bush. He built that team. The construct of that team was Rick Smith. He drafted JJ Watt. Uh, he drafted Mer- Whitney Merciless. He drafted DeAndre Hopkins. I think he was. Yeah, I think he was part of the, the the combination of him and Bill O'Brien drafted Deshaun Watson. It's like 
they drafted these players together and, and he constructed this team and then he gets ousted probably by a power move. And, and we, you know, if you read the reports, was it like last year? Yeah. Last year that Nick Casario was, was aiming to get out of new England to go to, to, to Houston. I don't think he's anybody looking at that job right now has to think I have no first round pick next year. I have no second round pick next year. I don't know what I have uh, beyond that. I have a top five, uh, top 10 quarterback, and that's about it. I, 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 there's really nothing to go with other than Deshaun Watson, which Deshaun Watson, great talent, but what else are you going to build around it without a first and second round pick in this next draft that is key and essential to your future? Bill O'Brien was – I would hate to see this guy try to figure out exchange rates because when he traded a player from Houston to another team, he got peanuts in return. And when he traded for a player from another team, he gave up the farm for them. He trades. Uh, I just said a Jadavion Clowney for a third of fifth and a couple of middling linebackers. And then proceeds to get go to the Miami dolphins and trade for Laramie Tunsil. And gives up two firsts, and I believe like a third or something like that, too, for Tunsil and Kenny Stills, who Kenny Stills has done next to nothing in Houston. Two firsts and a second. Two firsts and a second, or even worse. And that's why they. For, that's why this this coming draft, they don't have their first and second because of that trade right there. And then uh, DeAndre Hopkins was uh, shipped out the following season. And it's just this guy, you can't. You can't stress enough how much damage he did to this team time and time again. And he just looked like he thought he was the smartest guy in the room. He thought he had all the answers. You couldn't criticize him because he was above board. I'm, I'm, you, you, just, you couldn't criticize him in any fashion. Right. You couldn't take it. The Texans put themselves in an awful spot. Kudos to them for being smart enough, albeit very, very late. But for being smart enough to get out of it while they still had some semblance of an organization they can build around. I got to ask you who benefits the most aside from the fans Mm -hmm. from Bill O'Brien being out in Houston. Deshaun Watson. Uh, It has to be right. I mean, that, that was my, that was my answer too. Deshaun Watson. Like there, there's, um, there's no other real, I mean, there's really nobody else that, that it affects it the most. And, and then Deshaun Watson, he just, what, what needs to happen, okay, is the owner needs to find themselves a GM. And then that GM needs to hire, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm going to give you a name, Eric Bieniemy from the Kansas City Chiefs. Because they essentially, him and Andy Reid essentially built up what is the, the Kansas City Chiefs right now. And I am not saying Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are on the same level. But put Deshaun Watson in Patrick Mahomes' spot and take Patrick Mahomes and put him in Deshaun Watson's spot. Are we having the same discussion about the Chiefs and the Texans? Uh, I don't know. I, I honestly think Mahomes is a special player who helps make the players around him better. 
But just it's it's but, really tough. But he might know. not have the weapons. Yeah, it's always a hard. I know what you're saying, but it's always a hard comparison to make. True. I think Deshaun Watson would be a higher caliber star than he is for sure. I don't know if Mahomes would be less than he is now. But I mean, we we were saying that though when they, when they re-signed Mahomes. I know we're we're talking about the Texans, not the Chiefs. But give it a few years, the salary cap is going to really start to tighten around the throat of the Chiefs, and you're going to see exactly. You're going to see one hundred percent what Mahomes at his core is made of as a player when he doesn't have immense talent at every level around him. That's not a knock because this guy makes great decisions. He is top level. He's the best in the game, but. You can only be the best if you have quality around you. And a guy like Deshaun Watson has not had that level of quality around him. He had DeAndre Hopkins. The two of them were fine. They carried the offense. They had even with look, if you had kept Watson and you even were to bring in a Brandon Cooks and you had a healthy Will Fuller. And did I say keep Deshaun Watson? I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep DeAndre Hopkins. Right. And you had Cooks and Fuller. You could do like teams like like the Patriots have have done where they have three or four guys who are like complimentary backs. There's no base core, you know, number one runner like there is in Dallas, like there is with the Giants, like there is with uh, the, the Panthers. You could have a dynamic offense, even with a mediocre offensive line, because Deshaun Watson can move around. Bill O'Brien couldn't even do that. Bill O'Brien has a dynamic talent he could build around with players who don't have to actually be top tier because Deshaun Watson will just make them better the way Mahomes makes players better. But I'll tell you right now, that Chiefs offense without Patrick Mahomes is not what it is now. Mahomes brings them over the top. Right. There's a lot of talent there. And I'm not saying it'd be a 3-13 and team, but they're not the same. The team we saw last night against the Patriots, if that's not Patrick Mahomes in, the, in, in under center, that is probably a 9-6 to six final in that game because Mahomes brings we, that element. I think we saw what the Chiefs' offense, and again, uh, I'll echo your point. We're not trying to talk about the Chiefs, but um, we saw in, in last year of Alex, Smith is, Alex Smith's uh, career in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes' rookie season. That's what the limitations of the offense was. Right. Without Mahomes. Without Mahomes. We didn't know what Mahomes was. He got to start in the last game of the season. He didn't go anywhere in the – Alex Smith and the Chiefs didn't go anywhere in the playoffs. And that's why they shipped them to uh, Washington. And they handed the job to Patrick Mahomes. Because, one, they – I'm guessing they saw the upside. Two, they knew the limitations of the offense with Alex Smith. Did they expect Patrick Mahomes to be this level? No. No, you don't Patrick expect Mahomes, it. You certainly hope, but you don't expect it. Right. No, the, the Deshaun Watson was the one coming out, even though he was drafted, lo- which is the fault of the uh, Chicago Bears, to be honest, but dropped lower in the draft. But he was the uh, national championship winning quarter, uh, quarterback with the Clemson Tigers. He had all. The, he had some of the accolades. He didn't win the Heisman, but he was a prominent figure on the Clemson Tigers team and why they won his athletic ability. He had talented wide receivers. I think that was the year they had Sammy Watkins as the number one receiver. He was the guy. And Patrick Mahomes was in an offense that 
everyone thought, oh, it's a gimmicky college offense. It's pass, 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 pass. He doesn't go under center. It can't work. And you had two people, and most of the credit goes to Andy Reid. There's no question about that. But you had Eric Bieniemy influencing that as well, learning from Andy Reid, and everyone touted that he should have got an opportunity last year to buy, uh, to to go to the Bengals, go to the Cleveland Browns, go to the Giants. This is excellent for Eric Bieniemy because this is an opportunity for him to put his stamp in the league by taking Deshaun Watson, you don't have to fix him because he doesn't really need to be fixed. You just need to make him think he doesn't have to be the entire team, which is probably how he feels right now. I mean, I don't, I don't really see how he could feel any other way, to be honest with you. He's had to carry that team <laughs> the entire you know, year. I mean, right, it hasn't he, been able to do it because he doesn't have much of a supporting cast. And there's the only problem they're going to have is why is when they bring in a GM and they bring in a head coach, and hopefully it's Eric Bieniemy because I think he's a great offensive mind and could take Deshaun to that next level. They're going to have to get really creative. And I don't know. They're, I, I think they're one of those teams that's way, way, way below the salary cap. Uh, that's obviously pre-Deshaun Watson deal. They're going to have to take advantage of – what the salary cap situation is going to be for the entire league next year. Teams trying to dump payroll because they can't pay them or making excellent trades that take advantage of teams, again, trying to dump payroll because they can't pay players, but they don't want to just cut them. That's where the, I say the next year or two where the Texans are going to have to take, take advantage the most. And then they'll get their draft pick situation settled out. Hopefully Deshaun is still in upright position to lead this team because let's be honest, Jacksonville's not going anywhere yet. Indianapolis we'll probably discuss a little further uh, later in the uh, episode. Oh uh, Yes, we will. Uh, but once Philip Rivers goes and who knows what Jacoby Brissett is, where are they going to go? And then who am I forgetting in that division? Oh, Tennessee Titans. As go the Tennessee Titans is Derrick Henry. So if Derrick Henry, for some reason, starts to fall off, we know where the Tennessee Titans are going to go. So there is an opportunity, maybe not next year, but the year after for the, the Houston Texans to build and construct this team around Deshaun Watson with the talented players and players, especially skill position, to actually play the game and not be injured. All right, real quick before we move on to the uh, the state of the Major League Baseball playoffs, there's a few coaches who have to be just just have to be based on their team's performance on the hot seat. Which coach is next to go? Dan Quinn. I'm See, not even gonna. I'm not. You don't even need to. I was gonna say Dan Quinn because I was sure you were gonna say Adam Gase. But the Jets came out today, or maybe yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this, yeah. and said that, no, they haven't, they haven't thought about firing Gase. Gase's job is secure. Wait, wait, question. Did he get the vote of confidence from the owner? I didn't see the direct quote. I just saw a headline saying, Jets say Gase is safe. That's, that, He's you know, got that's, it. Dude, you, there is no way. I've said this before. 
and I said it as a joke at first, and I mean it now, there's no way he doesn't have incriminating video or photos of somebody in that Jets organization because this guy sucks professionally. He is so bad, it's not even funny. Like, we're going to get into the Jets. Spoiler. Yes. Uh, in a little bit of a different context, we'll get into the Colts. But yeah, it's. I would say there's, it should be Gase, but Dan Quinn clearly can't win with a lot of talent down there, at least offensive talent down there in Atlanta. And that team is just not performing for him. So I don't have the the vitriol for him that I have for Adam Gase, but he's got to go. He's got, he's, he's got to be the next. If they lose again week five, he's got to be done. Oh, yeah. Like, they're neck and neck because I, you know, when you think of why Dan Quinn is, has, has the more heat under him, you kind of think the same reason – for Adam Gase. There's just the only difference I would say is as Adam Gase seems to lost have lost his team last year where Dan Quinn almost lost him but they got he got him back and this year they're just they're just starting off god awful. There's no way Dan Quinn makes it past uh I I don't know what Atlanta's bye week. Oh, I have it right here. Um, their bye week is week ten. Oh my god! There's no way he makes it no. to week ten. No, you're talking by that time they could be two and seven. There's no way have, he makes it. There's no way. They have Carolina, Minnesota, Detroit, Carolina. They go zero and two against Carolina. He's done. I I say they they. I say fifty percent if they if fifty percent chance they lose to Carolina this week. He's gone. And I say it increases by 10% each week till Denver, where if they loses to Denver, he's gone. Like, there's no way – I don't think there's any way he makes it to week 10. But if he does, that, that'll be the death nail. Yeah, well, like I said, we'll get into, we'll get into more Adam Gase and Jets talk after the baseball segment. Well, let's move yeah. on to Major League Baseball. Yep. We are now in the divisional round. We have four series that are currently going on. Well, not actually currently, like actual legitimately live right now, but that are occurring. Uh, we have the A's and the Astros are playing. Houston is up to nothing. We're going to get into that in a second. Uh, Yankees and Rays. Yankees are up one nothing, but they're playing game two as we speak, and the Rays are up five to four in the fourth inning. Uh, we have the Braves and the Marlins. Atlanta won game one earlier today. And the Dodgers and Padres are playing game one right now. Uh, the A's and the Astros, I think all of America outside of Houston is an A's fan. Uh, but they're one game away from elimination. And the Astros moving on to the ALCS. Astros did not perform well during the regular season. Didn't have anything to say on their whole sign-stealing scandal. None of, these, none of these players had anything to say. And then they come out and they beat a... Pretty mediocre for a playoff team, Twins team, and all of a sudden Carlos Correa can't shut up. Run in his mouth. Oh, what do you got to say now? What do you got to say now? You know what I have to say now, Carlos? You're a cheater, and you're a mediocre player without the upper hand. I would say to Carlos Correa, <laughs> I would wait until I win the whole championship. Not, yeah, not the wild card round. Like wait until. You, you kind of put that last, you know, icing on the cake for the, the championship. Yeah. It's just, 
it's a bad look where you go, you, you, you beat the twins. It's like, I start pounding your chest and you haven't even started face facing the A's. And I get they're up to nothing right now on the A's. The, the series isn't over yet. So I would, I would not hedge my bets quite yet. You still have to finish off the A's. The Yankees and the Rays, whoever comes out of that one is still a formidable opponent. And let's not, let's not mistake ourselves. There's four dollars. I'd say there's three really good teams and one surprising team in the Marlins coming out of the NL. If I'm the Astros, I'm just, I'm just not, I'm not saying anything until everything's done. That's just, that's just. It's just obnoxious. You know what? If you don't want to say anything when you're being accused of cheating, when all this evidence is coming out against you, that's absolutely fine. If you want to just say a lot of teams do it, because here's the thing. I firmly believe a lot of teams do. I don't think Houston is the only team to do what they did. I think they took it to different extremes, but I don't think they're the only team to look for an upper hand. You got caught. Own it and move on. Don't sit there now and be like, oh, what do you got to say now? Dude, you hit like 230 in a regular season. What are you talking crap for? I, I, I just, I don't look. And, and anybody who did it, and I'm a Red Sox fan, and the Red Sox were accused of it too. Anybody who did it was in the wrong. I understand, though. The, everything is not just black and white. There's a gray area. There's a lot of money on the line. And if you can find an upper hand, you're going to go for it. I say the same thing to any team in the NFL. I'm a Patriots fan. Trust me, we've had our fair share of accusations. And I can sit here and I can try to defend that. But if you're a fan, you're going to believe me. And if you hate them, you're going to hate them no matter what. It's not going to matter what I say. So it's pointless. I have plenty of defenses for whatever they did. It's not going to matter if you're just against them. Correa wants to come out and act like they were victims because for a year and a half, they had this elaborate scheme that made them better during your championship year. You're going to get criticism for that. If you don't want to say anything and defend yourself, when essentially the re- the, the the, the, the baseball is doing their investigation, then shut your mouth now. Pretty simple. Yeah. I, I, I There's no other way to put it, Chris. I think you put it the best. I'm for one. You want to talk, you do your talking after the game's done. And that's kind of the mentality the Patriots have, which is why I have that sort of mentality. Um, you don't really – I mean, you hear it a little bit after big playoff games – but realistically, they do a lot of their talking after they put the um, put the finishing touches on a championship run. Not so much AFC Championship game really doesn't mean too much for them at this point with six rings. Um, yeah, if you beat a division winner that had uh, that was sub five hundred, and yeah. you yourself are sub five hundred, and you only got into the playoffs because they expanded it because they wanted to make more money off it in a shortened season. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't run your mouth after winning a best two out of three series. Just and, throwing it out there. And I would say to Carlos Correa, I know what Rob Manford has said, and we know what happened to Joe Kelly. Um, he got eight games. I think, was it reduced down at all or no? Was I think it reduced, reduced it to five, I believe. And I know he put it out there and he was going to come down hard on any players. You only faced half the league. Just remember that you only face half the league and you didn't face the Dodgers who clearly had the most salt against you. Um, it's not over yet for this issue. 
it's going to birth again next year, especially with a lot of the players still on that. Well, still they on did that. face the Dodgers. That's why Joe Kelly got suspended. Oh, well. That's the exact reason he got suspended. Uh, this is, he threw at him. I don't know why I'm, I I don't know why I was thinking, but my point, my point is the greater point, not my screw up. Is it's not over yet? Do you agree with that? It's not. Oh, over absolutely. Yet. No. Yeah. They they have a lot of really good teams to get through still before they can. No, no. I mean the the beanballing is not over yet. Oh no, that either. No. no. <laughs> next year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's going to be players they see next year that didn't see in the playoffs this year, didn't see in the regular season, who are going to going to get their uh, their their payback. There's a gentleman that's currently um, under contract with the Cincinnati Reds that had a lot to say about that. Um, situation, uh, Mr. Trevor Bauer, who might have an opinion on that if he ends up facing them. Uh, you didn't add the obligatory uh, show favorite and national treasure. My apologies. After Trevor Bauer was mentioned. I, I apologize, by the way. Uh, Trevor Bauer, love the tweets. Um, <clears throat> arriving in Boston or going to Boston with a plane ticket. That's really stirred the pot a little bit uh i don't really know why it stirred that much they can't even negotiate or talk anyways Bauer's smart enough to know they can't have any kind of communication with teams uh, it's not, not free agency yet so it's trevor bauer he, he likes to skirt the edge a little bit yeah but he's not going to blatantly violate the rules no and then no, he's, put it on twitter he, <laughs> like, he, he goes around the edge chris he doesn't cross the line <clears throat> all right so now, aside from all the Dodgers, not Dodgers, aside from all the Astros drama, anything else, you know, make you raise your eyebrow here as far as other three series go? I mean, I'm disappointed in the um, – uh, I'm disappointed in the ace not doing better. Well, it's not over yet. No, no, it's not over yet, but I'm, I was hoping to see a better product. Um, I'm sure they were too. Um, I, I would I would make a comment on the Padres because it just it just seems like they built a nice team. And Clevenger's back. Clevenger's starting game one. We'll see what he has. I, That's big for them. It is. Um, I want to see what they do. I'm really curious to see what the Padres do this postseason because it's going to carry over to I believe it'll carry over the next year. And honestly, the Blue Jays. Uh, I want to see what they do in the future. I know it's not, they're not part of the playoffs right now. They, they were, um, I want to see what they do. I want to see what they can build on. Heck Trevor Bauer would be a perfect, uh, addition to the blue Jays. That's that. Oh man. Stud, he, oh yeah. Stud number one you want. Absolutely. So there's a lot of good for the future. Um, I'm curious to see what the Padres do. If, if the, the, the that's the storyline, I, I just want to see, it's not so much against the Dodgers. It's just I want to see what they do. They, this is a thir- 13-year drought. They they actually got to the playoffs. Um, and I'm curious. I'm just curious, you know, because Fernando Tatis, I think, is one of those players that should not be shouted down. Should We, we went over this when he had the whole bat, bat flipping incident. Uh, I, I you want players to be promoted on the big stage, and I think this is his opportunity to kind of put him out, put himself out there in the national perspective, being a West Coast team. Not only that, I mean, you have the the, the greatest small market team of all time with Oakland. You have exciting young talent 
uh, like like Fernando Tatis Jr. on the Padres, Ronald Okuna on the Braves. I mean, this guy, he was a thought of like the equivalent to Mike Trout when he was coming as a prospect. Now he's had a very, very successful run in the majors so far. Not Trout level, but by no means a disappointment. Really exciting young players that this uh, MLB should be able to market, should be able to use to promote the game. Yep. So let's see if they're smart enough to catch on and see it. I'm hoping they are. Haven't been in the past. But you got guys like Mookie Betts and Mike Trout who are not old by any means. They're still in their their 20s. They're still got a long way to go. But they're kind of like the last generation of top prospects to come up, now current stars. And they didn't seem to want to be part of the marketed MLB picture. So now you have guys like Tatis and Okuna who, and some some of the younger guys in the Blue Jays, who, I mean, they pretty much have every slugger yeah. in, in the late 90s, early 2000s son on that team. Yep. Um, who really exciting players who this league can market to a younger audience if they do it right. Absolutely. I don't have a lot of faith based on what I've seen in the league to do that, but I'm really hoping it catches on and they can really get these guys in the forefront as the face of the game. And a better way to do that than to have, say, a Padres, Braves, NLCS, and not a lot else going on. Yeah, two of the game's bright young stars battling it out in a series. Some good pitching, some talented bats. I'm not predicting that'll be it. I don't know. It would be something for the MLB to really market, though. Absolutely. Anything else on that? Do you want to move on to the NFL again? No, I'm all set. Now, as we said in the, uh, the uh, start of the show, with it being the quarter point of the NFL season, hard to believe. Seems like just yesterday we were Still in disbelief, we'd see the Chiefs and the Texans playing with all this COVID stuff going around. But here we are, quarter of the way through the season. And we did our two early predictions last year, last week, excuse me, uh, for MVP and defensive offensive players of the year and all that. This week, we're going to do our surprise teams, our worst NFL team, the most underrated team. We're going to each, Ben and I are each going to pick three. And give an explanation as to why. You know how it works. If you've been listening, that's what we do. We we love lists and top tens and rankings and stuff on this show. So we're going to start off with the worst team. And again, we do this separately. We don't do this together. And there's times when we get the same answer. And we say, okay, one of us will choose something different for the sake of making it more interesting. But something like this, when it's really an opinion, you're basing on what you've seen. You can't really change it if it's not what you're feeling. So we ended up with the same worst NFL team. Uh, most of you out there with eyes can probably easily guess who it is. Uh, it's not the Jacksonville Jaguars, like I thought it would be going into the year. Ben, you want to let the cat out of the bag? It is the New York J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And, yeah, this is from two Patriots fans. So people are going to take it with a grain of salt, but trust me when I tell you, I feel bad for Jets fans. Yeah, that's exactly And I don't I mean that in a condescending way. I truly don't. You got Patriots fans starting to take up for Jets fans, not on the field. On the field, yeah, they're division rival. They can lose every game. As a fan, as somebody who has watched his team struggle, and yeah, I've been a Patriots fan my entire life. I saw a lot of really bad performances. 
I know what it's like to root for a team that's probably going to go 5 and 11. The Jets would be lucky to go 5 and 11. So I know what it's like to root for that bad team. And as a fan looking at another fan base with such a bleak outlook for your organization, it's not just this year. It's not just next year. It's this team cannot seem to get out of its own way. They can't pay players to stay who are worth staying. They chase them away, or they just let them leave in free agency. They draft horrendously. They just cannot stop alienating their fan base. They can't pick a good coach or management in any fashion. We did have Herm Edwards for a while, a while back. That seems like a long, long time ago. Way long time ago. Rex Ryan came in. He did okay for a few years. Didn't exactly work out. Once they kind of let him start picking personnel, that went south real quick. But you had Herm Edwards, and after that, not a whole lot else as far as management goes. They haven't had a decent quarterback in I don't know how long, since maybe the one year Brett Favre was there. How many misses can you have on high draft picks? How many bad coaching performances can you have? How many great players can you let walk? And yet these fans are still there. I mean, not literally because nobody can really be at the stadium now, but the session of a few, a low percentage. But every Jets fan I know, and I know quite a few, are still very loyal to their team. They love their team. They want to see him. They hate Adam Gase. They can't stand Adam Gase. They want to see him oh, gone. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I've no, never, that is the one thing that can unify fan bases across divisions, conferences, or anything, is when there's a bad coach, we will all sit there and go, that is a terrible coach. Everybody sees how bad Adam Gase is. I mean, how does this team dig themselves out of the mess they've got themselves into? Where do you start? Um, so first off, the clear start is Adam Gase. Um, oh, yeah, number one. He's got to go. The, the, the GM... I don't know. I, I don't remember his name. Uh, my problem with the GM is he had that uh, – him and Adams were at it last year because he told Adams he wasn't going to trade him, and then he tried trading him. He tried trading Bell, even though they just signed him to a contract. It's, I don't know. That GM seems suspect, even though he had some good draft picks. Uh, I didn't like their tackle pick. They loved their tackle pick in the first round. I thought they should have went off as a weapon to marry with um, – Sam Darnold. Uh, they didn't think they needed a receiver. Um, uh, check me check me if if I'm wrong. I think they have a receiver problem right now. Yeah, they let Robbie Anderson go because they didn't right. know how to they didn't know how to let him run anything but north and south. Could have had CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs the third, uh, Jerry Judy, talented receivers. I know it would have been a little bit of a, a stretch. Uh, I know I'm forgetting one or two players, but there was like seven or eight wide receivers drafted in the top 35, 40. But I start with this. Clear out the GM and the head coach. Find yourself two young, talented coaches. They don't have – or talented coaches and GM. <clears throat> Let me be specific. You don't have to pull from the Bill Belichick tree. We know it doesn't work because they tried the same crap every time. With the exception of Brian Forge, I think he'll work. And then you make a decision on – Sam Donald. He's an okay quarterback. I think he's not going to be, he is not worth the money they're going to have to pay him. He'd be okay if he had a lot of weapons around him. And I mean a lot. 
Uh, so this is this is the crossing, I guess, crossing point for the franchise. You have two legit quarterbacks coming out with about two or three other ones that could potentially be first round picks. Do you think the Jets are going to win a game this year? Uh, I mean, I, I much like a team going undefeated, I I, I think having 0 and 16 or 16 and 0 is so difficult because so many things could happen. I think they might win a game or two. I mean, they may stumble into one. So I'm not going to dig too much in the draft because I know we're not in that time of the year. All right, Chris. If they have the first or second pick of the draft, they're staring down a quarterback in that position. And if they have the third overall pick and none of the other quarterbacks rise, there's a, a wide receiver at LSU that played with a certain gentleman in, in Cincinnati who had, I think he had 16 touchdown receptions as a wide receiver. So you have to make a decision this offseason with a new GM and a new head coach. Is Sam Darnold the answer? If he is, sign him to his extension and draft that wide receiver out of LSU. If he's not and you have the first or second pick, you trade Sam Darnold before the draft. The first one of the first offers you get, you make that trade. You don't get that. Let that rumor get out there, and you draft Trevor Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields with your first pick in the draft, and you build from there. You already have your tackle supposedly that you drafted this um, draft. Oh, Makai okay, Beckton. So yes. So supposedly that's he is the future. I, I don't Kids know. Kid's a beast. I didn't know. I know myself, I would have preferred receiver um, because they need him. But if he's the answer, that's great. That just means you don't need to draft a tackle. You can make your decision on drafting a wide receiver or your quarterback. Justin Fields is legit. Trevor Lawrence is legit. They will go one, two. It's just a matter of your personal preference at one or two, whatever team it is. That's a decision that they make. If they... It's the Jets. I feel like they're going to trade the pick if they have one, two, or three, and they're going to screw it up. That's what I feel. I don't know because remember, right now the Dolphins have the. I know it's twelve games to go, but right now the Dolphins have the number two pick because they have the Texans' first round pick in the Laramie Tunsil trade. So there's no way the Dolphins you just drafted two at number five, oh, they uh, unless they wanted case. unless unless they were so in love with with. Uh, one of the top two coming out, they decided to try to trade him, which that's a whole different conversation. Right. But they could very easily trade that pick for a haul, a haul of draft picks. If, if the Dolphins got the first or second pick, like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fly on the wall of the GM and head coach room, just absorbing what is going on, because that would be the most entertaining thing to me to find out how many teams are pitting against each other to try to get Justin Fields or, or Trevor Lawrence. Cause I'm telling you these, these two kids, I don't know a lot about the other draft picks uh, quarterbacks because a lot of them opted out, but these two kids, they're playing, they're going to play their, their um, championship games. They'll play bowl games. Like these kids will play. I would have the confidence in either one of these kids. And if I'm the jets, so if you're putting it to me and if I'm the jets, I'm bailing on Sam Darnold trading him to whatever I can get. And I'm trying to get Justin Fields. I like Justin Fields upside over, over Trevor Lawrence. 
and I'm building around him. I have my tackle. I have Le'Veon Bell for a year or two, and I'm trying to get myself a wide receiver. They have never seemed to know how to use Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell, he still has it. He still has it, but I don't know. All right, we can we Justin can go Fields all day. Would, would... <clears throat> we can go all day on the mediocrity of the Jets. Yeah. So let's let's get to our our surprise team of the twenty twenty season to this point. You want to go first? Yeah, I think we went a little different. Um, yeah, surprise different, can mean uh, good or bad. It can be either. Right. Just just something that so, made you really go. Hmm, I didn't expect that. I, I'm mine's a surprise disappointment. The Arizona Cardinals. It's many man, layers. We, we talk, man, we talked them up. I'm really, really disappointed in this team. I was hoping to see a three and one team, maybe not four and zero, but three and one. Offense is rolling, everything's rolling, and it's just they can't get out of their own way. Sometimes Kyler Murray tries to do too much, and I pointed it out to you um, before we started the show. Isaiah Simmons. I don't know what the problem is, but they're not playing him. He's getting 10 or less snaps a game on defense. They drafted him in the top 10. He's a talented player. Maybe this is a product of the uh, no preseason, no training camp, but uh, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't miss the step. Kenyon Drake is hit or miss every week. It's just a, just a disappointment. And the upside is is uh, Niners are reeling because they're they're wounded. Uh, Seattle's not, <laughs> not not missing a step. Yeah, they're wounded too, and they're not missing a beat though. Right. And then the Rams have had a resurgence. So I don't know, man. They, they were great on paper, but you know what they say if you look good on paper. It may not translate to the field. So that's my surprise team. I'm hoping they turn it around. Who do you got? Well, real quick on the Cardinals, because I mean yeah. our, we weren't gonna dissect each other's teams, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be it's a surprise to me they're two and two after the way they started. But Kyler's legit. DeAndre Hopkins looks good on that team. They're gonna be fine. I think they almost have an excess of talent on offense and are trying just to figure out where everybody's gonna fit how things are going to work. I think that team will be okay. I don't think the way Seattle's playing that uh, the Cardinals are going to win the division, but there's certainly be a wild card team. I can't, I can't see them being a 500 team or worse. They're going to be, I'd say at worst 10 and six, 11 and five. They're a, a damn good team with a lot of talent, but yeah, two and two after the way they start is a bit of a surprise. For me, I went with a surprise from the positive end. I went with the Green Bay Packers. Now, they did make it to the NFC Championship last year. Albeit, I think we can agree, based on how they were playing down the stretch, they weren't exactly the most dominant of NFC Championship team contenders the last couple of years. They got manhandled by the 49ers. More specifically, Raheem Mostert in the NFC Championship game. He, he just ran all over them. And they come out this year, and they look like one of the best teams in football. Aaron Jones, I was wrong about Aaron Jones the first few years. He's a legit weapon. That guy's a top back in the game. Uh, Devontae Adams, you know, when he's on the field, 
is one of the top three, four receivers in the game, hands down. Hopefully he can get back on there soon after their bye week, week six. Or bye week in week five, get back on the field in week six and perform. Uh, the other receivers, I mean, they had, uh, that was it, Tanyan, Mike Tanyan, Mark Tanyan, the tight end there. The guy got three, tech, two, three touchdowns yep. on Monday Night Football. I mean, he's been, Rodgers has been going to him for the last couple of weeks. And when Rodgers finds a target he likes, he doesn't shy away from him. So they're going to have Ta- Robert Tanya. That's his name. Yeah, They're going to have Tanya. They're going to have Alan Lazard shoot you back at some point this season. They have Marcus Valdez-Scantling. They have Aaron oh, Jones. That, he's not witness, witness protection, Chris. Uh, well, they're not throwing to him much, but he's still there. <sighs> he still has his talent. They're just not using him. Uh, they have uh, their backup running back. I always forget his name. Uh, uh, there's a backup running back in Green Bay, too. I forgot his name. It, it escapes me. But very, very, very good player. So even if something would happen to Aaron Jones, they still have a decent running game. Then, like I said, they have the tight ends. I mean, Aaron Rodgers looks like an MVP contender. You th- would think with them bringing in uh, – who's the quarterback they brought in? Uh, Love. Love. Jordan Love. Jordan Love. Oh, who? Oh, that's right. The other guy went to Philly. Yeah, Jalen uh, yeah. Hurts went to Philly. Jalen Hurts went to Philly. That's right. Okay. I was getting those two confused for some reason. Jordan Love, everybody was like, oh, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play up to par. He's going to be, you know, he's going to be pouty face. And I was one of the people who said that. I said that. I'll own that. And I was wrong. Jamal Williams is the running back. Jamal Williams is the backup. Yes. Very, very good running back. And they drafted a running back just, yeah. just as a reference. So, I mean, that, that offense is stacked. I was wrong about Rodgers being all pouty face. Although, I still don't care much for his attitude because. As he said on the Pat McAfee show, his down year for him is a great year for most players. Rodgers loves to talk when he's at, on the top of the mountain, but when there's any kind of controversy, you, you can't get a word out of him. Uh, when he struggles, it's never his fault. Right. So he, he's a bit of a front runner, but he's a very talented front runner. And he's, I don't think he'll keep this pace up all year because he'll look for someone to blame when something goes wrong. But. Right now, them being four and zero, the way they look on offense, oh, man, that's a surprise to me. I thought this would be a two and two team at this point, trying to find themselves, but they, they very much know who they are, at least on offense, and they look really good. True, I, I can't disagree with anything you said. Um, the defense is playing a little better than one would expect. Um, I don't know. I want to see what transpires for the rest of the season you know what is chicago going to do is minnesota going to figure it out detroit is what they are they they are a i want to say a decent team but i don't know if the decent team is the correct terminology uh, i'm starting to think uh head coach wasn't the problem in detroit what do you think the problem was talent oh, personnel game plan i don't know man it could be everything, to be honest. There's a lot you. of stuff there. I mean, they're not they're not Jets bad, but you, whoever comes in next, and Patricia's got to be on a short oh, yeah. leash. Patricia, whoever comes in next has got to rebuild that from the ground up. Like, he's in year three. Like, you're pretty much, if you don't make the playoffs, I, I think Patricia's probably on his way out. Uh, uh, correction, you don't build from the ground up. You build around Kenny Galladay. Who, by the way, is a free agent <laughs> this offseason, so... That could get really interesting. Um, I just 
I want to wait and see the Packers. Um, it's nothing personal against Aaron Rodgers or the Packers. I just want to sit, wait and see uh, if they start taking some injury, serious injury uh, issues. Does it affect him? Because we know what happens if Aaron Rodgers starts losing weapons. He, he starts to get really picky, and then that's when pricky Aaron Rodgers comes out of his shell and starts blaming other people. So I'm just going to wait and see uh, on the Packers. Underrated team, Chris. Uh, you want to go first or want me to go? You can go ahead and go first. All right. For me, I have the Indianapolis Colts. And you might say, well, they're three and one. I had it Buffalo Bills originally, but I saw the Colts and I thought I had a better argument for, for the Colts. You know the strength of the Colts, and, and people are going to think, I promise I haven't been drinking. The strength of the Colts is their defense. True. And that is such a weird thing to say because for almost two decades, from the Peyton Manning era through to the beginning of the Andrew Luck era, this was a team that was built on offense, more specifically throwing the ball, and a lot. Now, Manning had Edger and James and Marshall Falk the first few years of his career, but he didn't get to the passing stats he got to by handing it off 40 times a game. That's a team that loved to throw. They have a decent offensive line, usually nothing to speak of on defense because all their resources were really getting poured into the offense. And now they have, you know, they draft Jonathan Taylor, who looks like a very, very good player. Legit. Uh, he can catch, he can run. They have, uh, they have Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack's out for the year. They have Naheem Hines. Very good receiving back. I'm really not sold on him as a rusher, but that's okay. You don't need him because you have Taylor. Phillip Rivers, not a big fan of, but if you can keep his throwing to a minimum, have him run a more ball control style of offense and run the ball, throw short passes. And if you can, and this is a big if, have Phillip Rivers make good decisions when throwing the ball deep. With that defense, this team is very underrated. You see how they struggle on offense, and you go, oh, the Colts are going to fall off. The Colts aren't going to be there in the end. Let me tell you what. The way that defense played, even with losing Malik Hooker, who I thought would, I thought that would be a very big blow to this defense, and I'm sure it was, but they've rallied around whoever comes in to take his place, and they are a force to be reckoned with. And if this team can put up 24, 27 points a game, I don't know if there's a lot of teams that could beat them. Maybe outside, maybe Indianapolis. Not Indianapolis. <laughs> they are Indianapolis. Kansas City. Uh, maybe Baltimore. If the if the good Baltimore shows up, which they usually do as long as they're not playing the Chiefs. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this is right now the most underrated team in the league. It It is. I don't know how to put it. This is what Chris Ballard projected when he took over the GM role a few years ago. I don't know when he took it over, but he, he I think seems three years to be, ago. Right. Okay. Um, he seems to be in that style of I'm going to build from the trenches. And he did that. He built the offensive line, he built the defensive line. That's why they made the trade for DeBar Spunkner, because they needed a big elite front for defense alignment to kind of push that pile. And that's what they got. They do have Justin Houston, but you know, he's 
I don't want to say advanced age, but he's a veteran. He's slowing down a little bit, but they have nice pieces around him, and it's it's built to withstand the pressure of an uh, an elite offense. And then I, I think you're correct in your assessment. If you can have Philip Rivers, and I know it's sort of an oxymoron, make smart decisions. Yeah. But the way to do that is to essentially take the ball out of his hands by feeding it to Jonathan Taylor, by getting the ball to Naheem Hines and not trying to take those gamble shots that, that uh, Andrew Luck would take uh, trying to hit T.Y. Hilton, Zach Pascal. Uh, that's what you want. And you want to in- integrate, the, which they've integrated all three tight ends, Jack Doyle, Trey Burton, and Mo Ali Cox. He looks like a monster. My God. He's like six, six, I think. He's a and former basketball like a- player. Built like a wall. That guy is, uh, oh man. And Philip Rivers loves Titans. He had so much success with Antonio Gates. Uh, he, and he's got three, <laughs> I think he's got three. Uh, like Trey Burton's not great, but he was a, a good piece with the, is it 17 Eagles? Yes. Um, Jack Doyle. We know Jack Doyle is a pretty good um, tight end, blocking and passing, uh, pass catching. And Molly Cox is developing as a, a tight end. Obviously, he's not a blocker. He's a big receiver, a uh, receiver type tight end. It, it's a well-built team for Phillip Rivers. The only problem, as you pointed out in the uh, po- uh, aftermath of the season last year, uh, free agent period, anytime Phillip Rivers is brought up, you, the, 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 you come up with the same point. is was turnovers, turnovers, turnovers has not really been a problem yet but will it i don't know but so far i don't really think so honestly because if you think about it god it seemed like every other play philip rivers was on his back last year when he played for the chargers that offensive line was awful to say the least and then he comes to indianapolis where he has a stellar defense and a pretty nice offense around him and an offensive line that, I mean, there's, I was watching videos, Quentin Nelson, uh, the, the stud Quentin offensive Nelson. lineman, he was blocking two guys and not, and not, not two guys at once. Not like he stretched his arms out. Like he'd made one block, knocked a guy down, went around to a guy coming to Rivers blind side, blocked him and Philip Rivers was able to get the playoff. Right. This guy, you have people like that blocking for you, not letting you get hit every other play. That's going to help you make good decisions too. If I'm going to criticize Rivers, I also have to be fair. If he has time to stand there and throw in the pocket, he's going to make better decisions. I don't know if he's going to be a guy who can win you a championship, but that's a championship-caliber defense right now for the Colts. And they don't need an offense to match them quality-wise. They just need an offense to not cost them games. And I don't think they really need to add anything unless they no. take us. A- Unless they take a serious injury, I don't think they need to add anything. They just need to continue to develop this team. You got anything else on that? No. Or you want to get to your team? I'll get to my team. So I I, I know this is uh, – I'm going to be seen as a homer, but I think the New England Patriots are a little underrated. People were hoping of, they were that bad. Yes, that that's part of it. People were hoping that they would – you know, Tom Brady era is over, you know, before Cam Newton came in, it's like, yeah, they're not going to do anything. The Bills have this, this uh, division wrapped up. The Jets are actually, be- it might, 
They actually might at this point, but that's a different so, story. But and then but there was the narrative the Jets will be better than the Patriots, you know. Ooh, uh yeah. Miami will be, you know, top of the uh division as well. And then Cam came in and there was a lot of people that were just still not on the on the side of you know, the Patriots being good because you know Cam hasn't been healthy for a couple of years. What does he have left? Is he gonna fit in with New England? It's like, well, well, through three games that he played, it's looked pretty good. I don't know if he can deal with his crazy hats. Has it been a problem for me? Every stupid reason you can imagine why a guy who's a damn good person and a damn fine player won't work out. I would say even last night's game, as as disappointing it was, was to watch, the defense tried every way, shape, or form to win that game in spite of Brian Hoyer. I don't put it too much on Jared Stenham. I think No, I don't put it on played, Stenham. He played as good as he could. Uh, Brian Hoyer was bad. Um, I yeah, don't Brian Hoyer was very bad. I don't think he should uh, put on a helmet for the rest of the season. Uh, but I wouldn't let him touch when, a ball. I think when Cam Newton comes back, uh, we're going to see this offense really kicking into gear. I think especially after the bye week, it's they're going to take off. They're going to have some tough games going down the road, obviously. They have – what Denver this week? I think yes. Denver. I think uh, unfortunately for Denver, they've they've come on hard times with the injuries. Uh, there was hope uh, Drew Lock would be ready for this week. I don't. It doesn't look like he's going to be. Um, they're kind of hedging their bets that he's going to play the following week. This is an opportunity for the Patriots to get a good win uh, against a, an opponent that is is suffer, uh, suffering from injuries. And I think they could really ratchet it up and compete with the Buffalo Bills. Do I think they're going to win division? I don't know. It could come down to last week. But I think coming into the season, they were thought of as like the third, potentially fourth team in the division. They're second in the division right now. They took Kansas City's um, to the Kansas City Chiefs to, to almost the end. Uh, we'll see what they do against the Ravens. We'll see what they do against a couple of the other uh, good teams in the in the, in the league. Uh, they have to play the Bills twice still, right? They haven't yes. played the – so they'll have to deal with that. Obviously, Bill knows how to face uh, Josh Allen. They get to play the Jets twice. They get to play the Jets twice, and they still have one game against uh, the Dolphins. So I don't think it's, it's correct to write them off. Uh, I didn't think it was correct in the – uh, preseason to write them off as anything below first place because the Bills haven't proved anything other than they can make the playoffs. The Jets never proved anything at all, and Miami is still developing. And in fact, there's there's con- uh, conversation about Tua starting and Brian Flores is going with Fitzpatrick, but they're one and three. You know they're itching to put Tua in, so Tua will start there very shortly within the next few weeks. I don't I don't see any way he doesn't. I agree. Uh, at some point in the next couple weeks, he definitely will start. Just to build on what you said before we go to Banker Tank, um, uh, look, I never make excuses that the Patriots had a lot of adversity heading into yesterday's game. They lost. The Chiefs are the Chiefs are the better team. I yes. mean, I'm not making any excuses about that. But a loss isn't always 
as brutal as you would think when you see a lot of really good things come out of it. Now, one thing we did not see come out of it was there will be no quarterback controversy in New England. Cam Newton's the guy. <laughs> For anybody who thought that maybe that may not be the case. The second is you saw a team that was shorthanded on defense. A lot of players opted out, decided not to play because of COVID. But really rallied around the, the talent they still have and built a really, really good game plan. They did the same thing to the Chiefs that essentially the Chargers did, where they slowed Patrick Mahomes down for almost three quarters. And I remember I was texting you during the game, and I'm like, the Patriots have to score. Because if they don't, it's only a matter of time before these Chiefs offense scores points. If the Chiefs lose this year, and I know I just said it's hard for anyone to go 16-0, but this Chiefs team looks about as legit a contender to go undefeated as any team I've seen in a long time. I don't think they will, which only because that's that's so much pressure, it's it's almost impossible. But uh, I I think you slowed them down. How you beat them is you need to have talented players. You're not just going to get lucky. You need to have a great game plan. You need to have players who can execute, much like the Chargers did, much like the Patriots did. But you have to score points. Like if the Patriots are up. 24 to, to 6 at the half, and it actually capitalized on the two interceptions they should have had of Mahomes that were just that McCordy one was brutal. I love Devin McCordy. I can't criticize him. He's done so many good things, but man, he should have had that pick. First drive of the game. Uh I mean, it's really encouraging because here's the thing without Cam Newton and with everything else going on, they still went into Kansas City and hung with them for three quarters. And I'm not trying to make excuses or find the silver lining, like I said. I'm just trying to say, like, this team is way better than people give them credit for. And with an offense at full capacity with Cam Newton, with James White, uh, Damian Harris looked awesome yesterday. I know it's only one game. I don't want to jump the gun, but that run game is going to be stellar. They get the receivers a little bit more involved with Cam back. That defense plays the way they played yesterday. I mean, look at the two times they struggled this year against the MVP candidate, Russell Wilson, <laughs> and against uh, the all-world talent of Patrick Mahomes. Right. Majority of teams are going to struggle and do a lot worse than they did, so it's very encouraging. So, and It would be interesting to see what they do in a week 10 uh, against the Seattle Seahawks or week 11 with Cam – or actually, not even week 11. This week, if they had Cam Newton, would have been an right. interesting matchup. But a week 10 competition against uh, – Russell Wilson, Seahawks, we could have a different conversation. You started seeing some rookies play, like Anthony Jennings got some run last night. Like I said, Damian Harris got some run. There was reasons. You saw why there was reasons of rumors coming out of training camp, what training camp they had, that Damian Harris might have jumped Sony Michelle on the depth chart. I hate to tell you this, but I think he did last night. He did. He, he he absolutely did. They get a week of practice, another week of practice. He just came off the uh, IR. I'm telling you, I, I feel bad for Sony, but that like you texted me and we've talked about this before. That fifth year option, yeah, I ain't gonna get picked up. No, sorry, Sony, you had your one season. You couldn't capitalize on it, and unfortunately, the reason why he wasn't featured last night was injuries. Yeah, and that's been his problem. 
was his problem in college. That's why he shared carries with DeAndre Swift. That's why he shared carries with Nick Chubb. Uh, poor Nick Chubb. And I just think it's this team. I, I like the dynamic of Damian Harris. I like Rex Burkett, even though I do talk down about him a little bit. I do like the dynamic. I just don't like him getting the ball too much. Well, you and talked like, down about him being a primary number one running back, which he's right. not, which isn't what he's supposed to be. So it's fine. Um, and then James White, JT Sprinkling, JT Taylor. And it's it's a nice like you said before about what the Houston Texans need to do. That's what they need to do. They need to bring together different talented running backs to form roles, to find roles in each of them, and you can get the most out of them. They might not like it, but if you can rotate them out like the Patriots do, because how many third down running backs have they have in the past, I don't know, 10 years? At least three, if not four. Yeah. So, um, I think I've I've espoused enough about the New England Patriots for this episode. All right, let's get on a banker tank. Let's yes, wrap sir. this up. All right, well, we'll review. It was it was a rough one for you. Correct. Uh, you were two and four, I believe, if my correct count is correct. I believe I was four and two. Correct. I didn't actually get the projections written down, so I had to search for them today. So I was hoping I got those right. You did. Uh, we like to give credit to people who play along with us. Yep. So we had uh, Tammy and Liz both play and go on underneath the uh, the banker tank post and put their picks up. Liz went five and one, and her one miss, unbelievably, was Alvin Kamara, who missed by a point and a half. She almost had a six and zero. Oh. Tammy, my my mother, our, our number one fan, went uh, two and four. Bit of a rough week, but not all of them were terrible misses. They, some really close ones that just didn't end up. You know, no, my misses were were terrible. Yeah, my couple weren't great either. I went, like I said, I went four and two. My misses were pretty bad. Uh, but yeah, she went she went two and four. She did beat us both last week, so she can't be too hard on herself. No. Uh, but thank you again for playing. This is not easy. Uh, ben and I do a significant amount of research on the things we talk about on this show and we still have our weeks where we uh we suck pretty much so it's not easy so two and four or five and one nothing to be ashamed of uh unless you're ben yes and i'm only saying that because i can see him cursing me under his breath right now yeah pretty much uh and wait till we stop recording it won't be under his breath he'll just say it but no, I mean, you know, good job and keep it up and, and keep trying. We encourage anybody when we put that post up to play along with us and, and, and put your picks up. And if we get too many of you, we won't we won't be able to name off everybody, but we will name off the top performers yeah. and give you a shout out on the show. Uh, but as for this week, what do you got? I have at quarterback, I'm going with Ben Roethlisberger, the running back Kenyon Drake, and then Wide receiver, Devontae Parker. I'm going to highlight Devontae Parker. Uh, obviously, we've talked about the 49ers depleted team in general, not just defense or offense. Um, also, we also touch on this. Fitzpatrick, I know we said that there was a little controversy, and Brian Flores came out and said that Fitzpatrick's the quarterback. 
I just want to say, uh, seeing what Tua did in college at Alabama, he's he's elusive. He's a playmaker. He can get out of the pocket. Not so much like what well, he can run the ball, but I mean, his pocket awareness is pretty good, at least as college was. It, it'll develop as a pro, but he can get out of the pocket and make plays, not to the degree of Deshaun or, or Patrick Mahomes, but Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson liked. And I think that actually will enhance Devontae Parker because he's elusive too. He, I mean, he works well with Fitzpatrick, and Fitzpatrick is is kind of like that, you know, a, a play breaks down, he's going to try to make a play, and then DeBarkney Parker comes open, and boom, he hits him. It'll just increase with Tua on the field when when that happens. Do I think it'll happen this week? No, because I think San Francisco isn't going to get enough pieces back yet to really be back to form. But there is a chance if they fall behind too much that Tua could enter the game if they feel he's healthy enough and could provide a spark to the offense. All right, my three are Kyler Murray, Clyde Edwards, Elair. Did you know this H is silent? I did not know that, no. I've been saying Hilaire the entire time. Apparently it's uh, Clyde Edwards, Elair. The H is silent, so okay. I apologize to Mr. Elair. I've been saying that wrong. Uh, Edwards Eli, excuse me. Uh, but yeah, I found that out yesterday and I uh, wanted to correct that because I certainly wouldn't want to, you know, say it wrong on purpose. That's kind of rude. Uh, and Adam Thielen. So Kyler Murray, Clyde Edwards Alaire, and Adam Thielen. I'm going to highlight Kyler Murray. Uh, he's one of the best up and coming quarterbacks in the game. Uh, after, I'd say, week two or three, we were originally discussed doing our way too early predictions. I had. I had Kyler Murray as my MVP candidate. Uh, kind of had to after I saw Mahomes' performance week three against the Ravens. Had to kind of reassess that. But they're facing the Jets. The Cardinals are. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the Cardinals are coming off two straight losses, and nothing, nothing can cure your woes like playing an awful Jets team. Murray and that Cardinals offense are very, very, very legitimate. Like I said, they just kind of got too many pieces. They're kind of falling over themselves. They're going to get it back on track this week, and Murray is going to go off. I mean, have a huge game. Chris, I picked the running back. You picked the quarterback. It would not stun me if, you know, we get two players playing again that Hopkins won't get picked. Maybe Fitzy gets picked. Christian Kirk plays. He might get picked. It's like it's just – it's low-hanging fruit at this point. They're just oh, yeah. so bad. Yeah. But, so, all right, now onto the tank. Yes, yeah, sir. Uh, Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. Todd Gurley at running back. And I know I already used him, but I'm going to go back to the well. Uh, Amari Cooper. There's every other week you got Amari Cooper. Well, it's only been twice. I'm at a high point. Yeah, it's only week four. Yeah. But it's every other week. So I'll wait until – I'll probably wait – a few more weeks before I use Amari Cooper again. The reason why I'm going with Amari Cooper is what do we say about Amari Cooper every, every time he shows up for pointless games or he shows up when it doesn't mean anything. Right. So this is an important game, even though it's against the giants and they, I don't believe they have a win yet. 
it's a division game that's important, especially for this division. Um, there's a lot of memes going around about this division, I tell you. Whoever it's... wins gets the golden garbage can. <laughs> um, I don't, I, I don't think he's going to show up. Honestly, this is, this is like, this is best case scenario for a Amari Cooper disappearing act because it's an important game where you need to rely on him to show up the entire game to win this game. So you can, I think they'll take the lead in the division or at least, yeah, they'll take the lead in the division if they win and the Eagles lose. But honestly, if if I'm a fantasy player, I have CeeDee Lamb on my team. But if I didn't have C. Lamb and Michael Gallup's available, I'm grabbing him. If if not, tight end uh, Dallas Dallas Schultz, I think it is. I'm not sure. I know it's Schultz, but I don't know the first name. Uh, at tight end, I, I think he's a better option. Um, uh, there's a, a wide receiver, Wilson. I wouldn't go that far, but look, if you have better options, go with better options. I'm not relying on Amari Cooper this week because I think this is this is this is your case in point disappearing act from Amari Cooper. All right. My three tanks are Tom Brady, Ezekiel Elliott, Cooper cup. Uh, I thought about being fun and going with Zeke Elliott because Ben and I both had a bang from the same team that we talked about. I'm going to go with Tom Brady. This has nothing to do with bitterness or uh, the last time was bitterness. This one is legitimate. Um, you're talking his top four receiving targets may not play in this game. They're playing Thursday night against a very good Bears defense. I know Brady's coming off a five-touchdown performance. He looked right in that game. You're, you're, you're not going to have O.J. Howard. He tore his ACL. He's out for the rest of the year. You're not probably not going to have Chris Godwin back. Mike Evans, I mean, he had a great game last week, and he only played about half of it. Uh, and by the way, I was wrong about the Edwins-Brady combination. Uh, I really thought that I really thought Evans would struggle with Brady, but apparently they've figured out Evans can do more than run 40 yards straight downfield, which is all he really did with Jameis Winston. He's actually running routes now, which we all knew he could do. They just weren't using him that way. Uh, So he's doing very well with Brady, but there's a good chance he may not play. He was in and out of that game. And Scotty Miller left with a hip injury, and Brady loves that shifty little slot receiver type. Uh, Scotty Miller reminds me a lot of like an Edelman up in New England. And there's a possibility all four of those guys may not play. So Gronk isn't the Gronk he was six, seven years ago. Not a chance. Cameron Brait, uh, maybe you see him emerge a bit. But, I mean, who else they have to throw to? They're, they're uh, LaShawn McCoy, a running back, probably won't play. I know he's an Iron Man, but only three days removed from an ankle injury they had him leave the game. If they can't pass it, and they can't, you know, their running back core is a little depleted. He could struggle. And if this was a bad defense, I wouldn't worry too much about it. The Bears are not a bad defense. They're a pitiful, pitiful offense, but not a bad defense. Uh, he's going to struggle in this game. Yeah. Looking at the wide receiver core, it's just without Evans, Godwin, and Miller, it just, I, I don't know who these people are. I don't. And. I guess even Leonard Fournette's questionable right now. So you're basically looking at Ronald Jones, the guy that is basically got shoved in the corner because they they drafted Keyshawn Vaughn and they picked up on free agency Fournette and 
uh, LaShawn McCoy is now probably going to be the focal point of the offense this week because of attrition, essentially. Oh, good luck with that. So if 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 I if I'm the if not Patriots if I'm the Buccaneers, I'm going double tight end, running the ball, trying to keep Brady safe because this is you made the excellent point. This is a Bears defense, especially with Nick, uh, Nick Foles at quarterback on offense. It's gonna get scary. Khalil Mack is no joke. No, far from it. Right, what do you have for game of the week? Game of the week, a rematch from. Last year's playoffs, Buffalo at Tennessee. I know I went Tennessee last week. I don't want to say I jinxed them. It's not my fault. Ben gave the Titans COVID. Somehow. Uh, I live in Massachusetts. They have not been close. But if you want to draw that connection, good luck trying to figure it out. I've seen a lot stranger COVID-related <laughs> connections in the uh, news. So <laughs> let's leave it at that. I like this matchup. I'm interested. I think this could have playoff implications and seeding implica- implications. Uh, and it's a good test for the Buffalo Bills. It's actually a good test for the Tennessee Titans, too. I want to see where Josh Allen's at. Uh, it's a good de- This is a good defense uh, Tennessee's putting out there. And I want to see what Buffalo can put out uh, offensively. Is Josh Has Josh Allen turned that corner? A lot of people think he has. You're not going to sell me until he's sitting in the AFC Championship game, to be honest. I have the Chargers and the Saints. Michael Thomas is more than likely going to be back for this game. He practiced in some capacity most of the week last week, leading into week four. Didn't end up playing. They held him out. I think if he practices all week this week, you'll be able to tell. If he gets any, if Michael Thomas gets any full practices in this week, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll see him in Monday night. Uh, that's That's when they play. The Chargers defense has looked shaky, but they've had some very good quarters. I know it sounds weird, but it's like they're just waiting to put it all together, and they're trying to figure out how to work around some of the injuries they've had. They shut Mahomes down for a while. They had Brady for about a half last week, then he went off. It'd be interesting to see what they do against the Drew Brees that has been very inconsistent. I think the inconsistencies on the Saints' offense and on the Chargers' defense could lead to a very, very interesting and entertaining game. Anything else before we get out of here? Or is he good? I'm all set. All right. We ran a little bit longer than we usually do today, but you know, you don't want to cut good content short. So I'm sure you guys don't mind. If you certainly don't, if you're listening to this point, any questions, comments, concerns, trash talk, uh, banker tank picks you'd like to make. Ben and I would love to hear from you. And Ben, where can they get in touch with us? You can get the Banker Tank post on Facebook. That's Ben and Chris Talk Sports. You can hit us up on Twitter at BCTS Pod or the website bctspod.com. And I know the uh, the Banker Tank post was a little bit late this week on bctspod.com. Sorry for that. That was a bit of a miscommunication between Ben and I. For some reason, I thought I had got it. He thought he had sent it. <laughs> and uh, so I texted him. Saturday night or Sunday morning, and we realized that uh, yes. we both we both kind of dropped the ball on that, but that will be out sooner this week. And, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, we thank you guys very much for listening. Please, again, I know I say this every time, but I mean it. We really appreciate all the support. Please continue to tell people about the show if you enjoy it. Uh, if you feel so inclined, 
leaving a rating and a review would be very much appreciated. That's going to do it for this episode. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe and stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.